Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hunt Fish Eat Podcast. Tonight is my third night in Colorado, and I sit down with Bruce and Lisa and Denton, and we kind of go over the hunt. So I was able to harvest a cow, and it was an awesome experience. I mean, it just, you know, second to none. And, and Bruce and Lisa did a fantastic job. I really can't emphasize enough how awesome they are and how awesome Trophy Ridge Outfitters is. Trophy Ridge Outfitters LLC. If you're looking for a hunt in the West, make sure you check them out. You got to go check out Bruce and Lisa and what they're doing. TrophyRidgeOutfittersLLC.com. Check out WaltonZinc.com. They're going to help, you know, their equipment's going to help me process this elk I shot today. It was over 500 pounds. Um, when, I, when I got home, it was about 200 pounds of boneless meat. So, man, I, I definitely am glad I had that awesome Walton's number 22 grinder and slicer and stuffer. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to feed my family for quite a while. And, very thankful to them. They make some awesome equipment, very affordable and high quality. Check out ClayShootingApparel.com. They make some cool, funny, and fun hats. I hope you enjoy this episode, and we will talk to you later. Welcome to this episode of the Hunt, Fish, Eat podcast. How you guys doing? Great. Great. Doing well, sir. Thank you. That's good. That's good. I'm here in Fort Collins, Colorado with uh, my buddies uh, Bruce Broski, Lisa Broski, and Deep Money, Denton, right? Buenas noches. There you go. There you go. Many words like Denton over there. Um, So, hey, what did we do yesterday? Or what did I get to do well, yesterday? What did you, what did you do? You tell us. Let's get, put our cart before the horse here. That's right. Good point. So, uh, we're here in Colorado. I'm here hunting elk for the first time, and I got my first cow elk yesterday. Yay! Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. So it was a uh, it was a really cool hunt, and um, I, I think you know we talked about it as we were going um, down the hill to shooter. Um, it was like a picture perfect situation, right? So we we'd seen a bunch of bulls yesterday, and the day before we seen a bull and some mule deer. Twenty, we we saw twenty one bulls. Um, yesterday, I think you said one or two were shooters. I think that one for sure. Yeah, yeah well, they were I mean, all shooters for normal folks, right? That's I right. mean, it depends on what your definition of shooter is. Yeah. Really, what it comes to. So, well, we're uh, Bruce. Can you tell us about the unit we're hunting in a little bit? So yeah, we're in a we're in a trophy unit uh, out here in Colorado. So it makes a difference compared to the over counter units. So um, in our unit, they only give out during rifle season. There's only 25 bull tags. So it limits the amount of pressure and also uh, gives the elk a chance to get that age structure mm-hmm. that we're looking for. So, Gotcha. So the bulls we saw, like for Denton and I, Flatlanders, they're really nice. They all look like big bull elk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and the, the one that you pointed out, I mean, once we got it on the spotting scope, you could tell the difference. I think. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. The body difference, you know, mass difference and everything. Um, yeah, he's a 350 class bull. Yeah. So. Uh, that was he had really a couple cool. of broken tines on him, but if he was all solid, he'd be he'd be in the three fifties. So that was cool to see. That was definitely cool to yep. see. And so we got to we did that in the morning, which is a lot of fun. Came back and ate some lunch, um, and we went back out and um, we went up on the rim. And I let's state for the record that this is the first time that Bruce. <laughs> hey, Lisa, why don't you come with us on this hunt? That's, that's a good point. That's right. So. Um, the day before, it was and just, I checked, just, and I was available. <laughs> Lisa is a very big uh, guy. Not the first time I asked her. <laughs> there you go. But that's great. Let's get um, that out there. That's right. So the first day was just the boys, and then um, 
Lisa so graciously joined us that afternoon. Brought in the A team, best yeah, guide we have. That's right. And so we uh, we go up on the top of the rim to Glass Town, and um, so we park, you know, maybe a hundred yards from the top of the rim. Then we just kind of walk quietly up to the top of the rim to look into the valley that we had already seen earlier this morning and didn't see anything. Yep. Bruce at the front of the line gets up to the top. As soon as he crests the hill, sees over into the valley, turns around and starts walking right back down the hill. <laughs> he didn't stop. He didn't stop a bit. And I was right behind Bruce. And he's like, yeah, there's a herd down there. And I look down and 250, 300 elk. Yeah. I think we saw. So have you seen the Lion King? <laughs> In the opening scenes where like the masses, the hordes of animals are running. That's what it's like. <laughs> it, it was insane. And. Especially, you know, throughout the day, we would find these pockets of bulls, you know, like six elk, okay, or a lone elk or 10 spread out over a couple hundred yards. This was like 300 elk all in the same spot. And um, I sent my wife a video and she said, it looks like ants running around. Um, but like I said, it was so funny. You just turn right around. Said, How far can you shoot that rifle? And you're just walking right back. We uh, we screamed down the bottom of the hill. We changed out guns because I, I couldn't shoot more than 200 yards. You said it's going to be a little bit further than no 200 further yards. Than so. well, where they were positioned, yeah, they were in the open. So it wouldn't have been able to, to get into a close. We had about an hour of light, I think. Yep. Um, <clears throat> yep. And so we repositioned and we got in. We got And so we started walking down. As we're walking down the hill, so we can see, I can see the elk through the trees. Um, I'm getting excited, um, kind of going through my game plan in my head. And uh, hear a bull rip out a bugle. Yep. Hold on. Let's let's oh. go back to the day before. <laughs> okay. When <clears throat> when someone asked, "Hey, really, all I want is I really want to hear an elk bugle." That's true. <clears throat> I, I did, yep. You did, did you not? I did. Yep. So I said, "Be really nice to hear an elk." Well, I think I I think I was being sarcastic. You know, oh, really? You know, Bruce, it'd be really nice if we hear an elk bugle. You know, yeah. in um, January. In January. <laughs> First day of January, first day of the year. Yeah, first day of the year, that's right. Yep, so we walked down the hill and it bugles, and <clears throat> Bruce did turn around and look at me and say, See? There you go. Know, you ask, and we make it happen. Exactly. That was mm-hmm. good. And so uh, we get down and we see the herd. Yeah, there was a fence there. Um, some of the herd was on one side of the fence, yep. some was the other. You know, and you say, Hey, you can't show that side. That's cool. And so um, you arrange the closest elk, you know, mm-hmm. with 487. I think. No, not the closest one. The, so, that was the one on the other side of the fence, right? Yeah. No, so 487 was the ones that um, we thought we'd have a better opportunity on shooting straight across. So. Yep. 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 And so that's um, <clears throat> it. when I laid down prone, uh, put some, I started looking through the scope to find elk. And I mean, realized it's kind of tough when you're looking at like 300 elk to explain to other people which one you're looking at, right? <laughs> and so. Oh, guys, it's the brown one. <laughs> that's what D Money said. I hear that behind us. So, um, and and just so you know, D Money was on the spotting scope, and uh, Miss Lisa, our, our head guide, she was also filming for us. So, um, well, she was really nice. She let you kind of take lead, sit next to me. Well, she did. Yeah, she's like, okay, well, I'm gracious. That she's way. got me in training, so I think trying to get you some experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah I made sure that D Money had the the phone scope ready to <clears throat> and go. It was on mm-hmm. point. On point. Well, yeah. and, and I was backup video. That's right. She got a really good video of me shooting, and yep. you know, Denny got a great video of, of the impact. Um, well, from my perspective, I hadn't told you guys this yet, but so we're up there. I'm on the scope, and I find a couple of when I see. So I'm trying to explain to Bruce where the elk is I want to shoot. 
And so pretty quickly within 30 or 45 seconds, we're on the same page. We just know. And so I'm like, okay, can I shoot? And I hear behind me, Lisa and Denton trying to find the same. The diamond. The diamond. That's right. Bruce is like, do you see the diamond below the pine tree? Well, so if you take an average of 300 elk, do you know how many of those elk will be in a position that resembles a diamond? (laughs) I would say quite a few. Quite a few. Um, (laughs) And and also the the diamond down from the pine tree. um, If you've ever been to Colorado, there's a lot of pine trees. Yeah. And, There's not uh, many white oaks out here. No. <laughs> not a lot of white oaks, acorns, no. or anything. Um, so, me and Bruce are on the same page pretty quick. And no. uh, Bruce is like, well, hey, wait just a second. I want to make sure they you are on mm-hmm. it too, and, which, is, which is the right thing to do. Um, but, well, and the other thing too, though. So, the closest elk was just over 300 yards. And uh, while we're getting ready and everyone's amped up and excited, we, we did ask. I, I asked. I said, hey, let's let's take a minute here and, and, and take this in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite a, a scene to oh, see. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, so as we're walking our way down the hill, you know, we got to the tree line and you're like, hey, we're being watched. You know, some of the elk are looking at us. I mean, you got 300, you know, sets of oh, eyes yeah. out there. Yep. And so in my mind, like I'm already amped up and it's like, you know, he's telling me, hey, they're looking at us. And I'm like, I'm not losing this opportunity, you know? And so my mind, how can I make this happen as quickly as possible? So that's what I'm kind of going through. And like, and I'm glad you said that. Hey, take a minute to take this in. This is an awesome, and I, it was awesome. It was cool, and it gave uh, gave Lisa and, and Den some time to find what we were looking at as well. And but it was in my mind, I'm getting frustrated because I'm like, I want to pull this trigger. Like I'm ready to. <laughs> I don't want to miss this opportunity. I want this to happen. And um, at one point, Bruce, because Bruce kind of kept having to pull the pull the reins back on me. <laughs> And uh, finally he goes, look, just, just go ahead and shoot. He's, but tell me when you're about to shoot. So, okay. And so I go, okay, I'm going to shoot. And right as I say that, the, the, there's the four cow elk there in a diamond shape. I'm shooting the, the one in the back. Well, and also, Bruce goes, well, he shoot the one on the left. So, Bruce, that's not the biggest one. I want to shoot the one in the back. That's the biggest one. He goes, yeah. okay, fine. Yeah. So, right as I'm about to shoot, the one in front of her steps in front. So yep. I, And we both are like, oh, man. Okay, so wait a couple, couple more seconds. And Denton's like, I got I got him. I'm on him. And so we were, everything was good. So I said, Hey, I'm going to pull the trigger. Um, send me a rim mag, pull the trigger. Go ahead. Ben. So before you pulled the trigger on this shot, what's the furthest you'd ever shot a firearm? 400 yards, 387 <clears throat> yards was the furthest I've ever shot a rifle. So, and okay. when we, let's, let's kind of pause for a moment. Sure. So, um, everyone knows I love CZ and, um, they're an awesome <clears throat> gun, but, I didn't have a CZ in a large caliber that could shoot past 400, past 200 yards. That was where I felt comfortable with that rifle. So, um, Bruce is very gracious. Let me borrow his Gunworks rifle and some of them mag. Um, the turret, I dialed it to 500 yards. Yep. Um, and I had pulled the trigger on it the day before I hadn't shot it, but I felt very comfortable with the trigger. And, and Bruce, I, I trust Bruce a lot. It's interesting. We were talking about this at dinner tonight. There are very few situations where I would take a rifle I've never shot before from somebody else and shoot at 500 yards at an animal. I mean, that's just, there's a handful of people that I would trust enough to say, hey, it's good a to handful, go. handful meaning two or three. Correct. Yeah. yeah. That I would, if someone told me that, I'd trust him. Bruce is one of those people. And and so I, I had complete confidence in the rifle and what it was going to be able to do. And um, I said, Bruce ranged it at 487. I doubt that the turret's at 500 yards. Yep. Um, and you say, hey, just hold directly on. So... I was on the rifle ready to shoot. So where did you tuck? Where did you put the pin? Like where did okay, you put so, your crosshairs? Um, 
if a shot is in real close to 50 yards, I like a neck shot because I can just drop them and pick them up. I do it for white tail and stuff. Because of the distance and anything beyond 50 or 75 yards, I do a double on heart. <clears throat> Plus, this is complete unfamiliarity with the species. Or shoot an elk, right? I've never shot an elk before. I've never cut up an elk before. So, and I asked Bruce, hey, what's, where's the yep. shot, right? And you said high shoulder or right behind the, right, right behind, behind the, the shoulder, shoulder yep. double on heart. So I, <clears throat> body, I, I shot at the top of the bottom third, mm-hmm. right on the back shoulder. So, or right on the, the back of the in front the shoulder. In the crease. Yep. Where you would 99% of people shoot, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so I pulled the trigger and the gun recoils and, um, I couldn't, I, my eye got off the scope and so I couldn't call a shot. And so I didn't know what happened. And immediately Bruce says, put no one in her. She's still standing. So. I, I'm a little not upset, but I'm just worried now because I've shot and You're so flustered. And fl- yeah, a little flustered. And so I'm like, well, which one? Which one? Um, because again, there's 300 elk, right? And the last <laughs> thing I want to do is shoot a different elk. Sure. So <laughs> I run the gun real quick and get back on it. And you're like, she's the only one standing. And so I look around my scope, I find her, and I'm like, she's facing right, correct? And when I shot her, she was facing left. So now she's turned 180 degrees. Right. And, um, and so I'm like the one facing right, correct? And you're like, yep, yep. So I pull the trigger again, and she drops, tips over, see her feet up. And so um, I let out a little bit of a woo. Um, <laughs> a little bit. Woo! I was, I, I was like, she down, she's down. And I, that time I held the rifle a little bit tighter. I was able to watch the shot impact, and um, it was incredible. Yeah, it was. It, it was. A, it was definitely incredible. And and to have everyone on our team on the same page is even yeah. more more incredible when when Lisa's got the video and then we don't realize it at the time, right? Cause we're focused in Yep. and, but all the way as, as, as we're coming down the mountain and uh, Lisa's got video of us walking down and, yeah. and Denton's setting got up this, for the shot. Setting yep. up, yeah, and the Talking about it. So tell us what's going through your mind. I mean, we do a lot of guiding, right? And, and you're with me and, and you know, we, we, we say you're our top guide and you are, but it's, <laughs> it, it, but what's going through your mind as we're, as we're going in. I'm excited for Daniel because I know what it was like when I got my first cow mm-hmm. and it's just like the adrenaline is, is running. Like yeah. you just like Bruce tells me, you know, breathe, 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 you know, and, um, it's just so exciting. And, and I've learned now how many hunts that we've had that gosh i wish we had that on video Mm -hmm. so that's why i'm trying to get like the behind the scenes type of thing so that's why you know we've got denton on the scope like Mm -hmm. you're going to get the better video but i can get you laying down and setting up and like the little bit that you guys are talking back and forth and just you know some of that fun stuff that you'd miss you know and in my opinion um I think a lot of the hunting industry, when you watch the videos, is the kill shot, right? It's the 30 seconds of the big buck or whatever coming in, them drawing the bow back, pulling down whatever. Um, what you miss and like what helps me relive a moment or, or the excitement I had is all the other stuff, right? It makes it more real. It's, it's not, you know, you're talking like the conversation Bruce and I are having about well, which one, this one, that, you know, like, oh, was the video ready? You know, and it's, it, it wasn't perfect, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't scripted or no. you know, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's the way when you when you got you know four people and you're all trying to first of all four people to be quiet. Mm-hmm. When yeah, he has you know three hundred pairs of eyes on you, and uh, but the herd calmed down, and that's why I, you know just take your time. Let's take some of this in because that doesn't happen yeah. very often for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, we're blessed to be in a situation where we we get to see that, and every time I'm still in awe though. I mean, because it, yeah. it's it's impressive, and we're watching bulls fighting. 
Yeah. And we're in January, right? We're yeah. watching bulls fighting and, and you well, know. Well, there's two more bugles, two or three more bugles that yeah. ripped out oh, while mm-hmm. we're doing all At this. Minimum, yeah. And well, even after your kill, yeah. there were the bulls fighting oh up gosh. above them. And so you're trying to video that. Well, it's just couple, so amazing. Well, it was insane. Like, so right after I shot, I'm kind of sitting there. I'm just in awe, like, because the hurt's still there. You know, I'm watching them. You know, and Lisa came up and she said, okay. She handed me a pair of She's like, look, right above where your cow is. In that you know white spot, and I find that there's two bulls fighting. I mean, it just it, so, so I, there's so much bulls. more. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah. And like right after I shot, so kind of this flat. Yeah. There's about 200 head, and then there's like a, a group of 50 of one of the cows I shot, and then we kind of saw some up on a hill above them. But then right after I shot, this cascade of elk kind of came over into that bigger herd, and it was 40 or 50 bulls. I mean, it was like it, it was insane, mm-hmm. you know, and. Um, we talked about it tonight. What's the what's the success rate in Colorado? Yeah, on average, it's around seven percent. Seven percent. So for harvesting an elk, for harvesting an elk, and so you, I came out here and on day two, I harvested an elk. I mean, it's and, and I saw you know we talked about it, you know if didn't had a tag, it would have been very easy to get two mm-hmm. two elk. You know, he would have let me shoot the second one. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> but no, it was they stuck around. I got to watch them hang out and. Um, while we were waiting, you know, for the ranger to come up, you know, didn't I got to see three or four other um, pairs of bulls fight in January? <laughs> yeah, again, in January we got to see you know one or two real big herd bulls. You know, the guys that have, like the back scratchers on the back oh, of the antlers, yeah. and we saw um, one with a missing side. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just a surreal experience, you know, and like not chaos, but adding to the kind of like nervousness. Well, so like like I said, I'm shooting a rifle. It's not mine that I've never shot before. Um, I'm like trying to like in my head kind of calm myself down. It's okay. Like I pulled the trigger yesterday. I know what it feels like, you know, all these things. 20 um, minutes left in legal shooting hours. That's right. Yeah. 20 yeah. minutes left when I pull that trigger. Um, right when we get up to where we're going to start to walk down, I look and there's boot prints. There's not only like there's elk prints, deer, you know, deer tracks. And then there's fresh boot prints. And that day, and I think Denton called it out and Bruce is like, yeah, I, those shouldn't be here. So that's going through my head. And I only see one set. They're going downhill. So I'm th- in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, we could trust the cell. There could be a random person sitting there. Yep. You know, we're trying to kill these elk. You know, it's like, <clears throat> I'm carrying a gun that's not mine. It's, there's like 15 things going through my head. Um, but it all came together and it all worked. So uh, what else am I missing about that shot sequence? Well, the biggest thing, too, about that gun, though, is, uh, you know, we know, uh, Lisa and I know what that gun will do, right? Yep. So off a bench, we're touching bullets, uh, you know, under a half-inch group at 700 yards. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had it out last weekend shooting it, and we know it's on. We know that that yep. gun will perform. So for me, to be able to have a client use the gun that we know is on, and and we know that you can shoot. Yep. So that's not a question, right? And uh, so to me, there's no... You know, if we had the opportunity to get closer, we would have. Yeah. So we had out, you know, 300 yards. Um, we always like to get as close as we can. But in that situation and uh, the way everything was, that, that gun has performed yeah. and then uh, it's taken elk. And, well, and, you know, you did, you asked me as I was trying to get set, you know, you asked like, hey, do you feel comfortable? Do you want to get closer? And right. um, you're looking at the terrain. So we were on, on tree line and everything below is just open kind of sage grassland area. Um, I, w- I was in a comfortable position. I was comfortable behind the rifle. I put pressure on the bipod, like stacked the bipod. 
I'm ready to shoot. I feel comfortable. <clears throat> and in my mind, it's like, okay, we could get closer. Let's say we get 200 yards closer, so it's a 300 mm-hmm. yard shot. We could get down there. We can blow the elk out. We could spook them. Um, they get in a different position. It cannot be a comfortable position to set up on the rifle, right? Yeah. And so in my mind, it's like, I'd rather shoot calmly, have a couple seconds to take my time. You know, the elk aren't spooked at 500 yards, then maybe have a shot opportunity at 300 yards, yeah. you know? And so we made the decision just to just stay up there and I felt comfortable. And I think that, like I said, the first shot, uh, once we cut her open, um, first shot was a long, long shot. Well, and we went back and watched the video. And I'm really glad we videotaped that because, um, like I said, the first shot was right where I wanted it to go right behind the shoulder. And second shot, I was aiming in the same spot. And when we got up there, I saw that it, it was a neck shot, the kind of high shoulder in front of that. Yeah, neck just shot. just in front of the shoulder. Yep. yep. And so I was kind of not, not upset with myself, but just a little disappointed because that's 10 inches, 18 inches off really of where I was aiming. When we went back and watched the video, the first shot, I hit her, you know, right behind the shoulder. So she's standing there and right as I pulled the second shot, she started that rock back, which I'm sure you guys see a lot of luck do. And so see, you see it, you see it sway. Back and forth and then start to collapse and then boom. Yep. And so right as I pulled the trigger, she started that backwards collapse. And so that's why. Yep. Yeah. Uh, she was going cold. down. Yep. And so and that's a testament to that rifle, man. That, um, <clears throat> like you said, Bruce, that, that gun was dead on. Yep. You know, did everything mm-hmm. we could. So, so it's a, it's a gun works best of the West. Gun works best of the West, seven millimeter mag. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Sure. So if anyone's interested in information, get a hold of me and, uh, I'll be glad to set you up with them and, and uh, put one in your hands. So it, it, it's an amazing rifle. Um, and, and, you know, it, it performs well. And, yep. and that's... Understatement of the century. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So we we pot on the Ranger and head down the hill. And, uh, well, first, we had to hike up to get the Ranger. That's right. <laughs> Some of us did. Some of us did, while saying, the others enjoyed the view. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. Which yeah. the elk were still there. Yeah, yep. the, which the we wanted you guys there. to experience yeah. too. They moved exactly. maybe 150, yeah. 200 yards down the valley. Otherwise, they just kind of stayed there and yep. continued doing their elk things. Elk stuff. Feeding. Yep. Feeding, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Made our way down yeah. there. Um, I left my pistol back here because it's just another thing on my hip I didn't want to carry. Yep. Um, so we ended up with the rifle, and um, I walked up just to make sure she was dead. Uh, Bruce instructed me to poke her in the eye, which is yep, the angel, yep. angel thing. And man, I tell you what, we got up to her and I've shot a lot of deer and pigs and it was a little bit bigger than a deer, I would say. <laughs> a little um, bit? By a factor. You know, by a factor of 10. Yeah. Well, when, when Bruce and I had talked about, uh, this elk hunter me coming out this year, we, I was maybe going to come early season or not or an over kind of bull tag. I just got a bunch of options and I was set on killing an elk this year. I mean, or this season that I really want to do that. And, um, I remember you telling me, and you can come and do it, but I'd really like to be with you because it's different. It's a different animal. Oh, yeah. You know, we've not done it, and I'm so glad I took you up on that that suggestion, Bruce, because um, I got up there, and I think Den and me both were like, this is a lot. This is a big <laughs> deal. And, um, you know, we notched our tag, got the, you know, dig up a couple pictures, got our tag notched, um, got tag attached to the animal, and then... Um, I started field dressing it and I have a Havilon Pronta and I realized that is not the right knife for that <laughs> uh, sort of thing, man. It was, um, and so we went through a bevy of knives, two or three knives and, mm-hmm. and Bruce helped me let me borrow his outdoor edge. Um, again, a replaceable blade knife, just yep. a little bit bigger blade. And, uh, there's a really good picture. I posted it, um, 
of where I'm starting the incision and Den and Bruce are looking at each other like, what do we get ourselves into? And, <laughs> and um, cause both me and Den were like, man, this, it's like a horse, uh, you know, yeah. it's, um, so it's, it's a two year old horse in terms of size. Yeah. Well, and, uh, Bruce, how, how big was that? How much do you think she weighed? Well, probably around, I guess in probably 550 or so on the hoof. I mean, okay. maybe, maybe pushing six. We didn't weigh her obviously, but she, she was a, yeah, she was the biggest one of the diamond. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> that was the goal. But no, she she was an older, mature um, cow for sure. And uh, yeah, and that, you said that we talked over dinner tonight. What did we have for dinner tonight? We had backstraps. Oh, backstraps. There we go. All right. Um, that I didn't have to cook, which there you is go. really cool. So <laughs> uh, Bruce cooked those up in some bacon fat, right? Yep, a little bit of bacon grease and seasoning, and yeah. And dude, it was it was good. That was fantastic. So. Um, yeah, so we get a tour and through copy bears we were able to cut her. And that was um that was that was a new experience, man. It was just, you know, between the three of us and uh Lisa did some great picture work while we're doing all that. And um that's why I got that awesome picture of Bruce and yeah. each other, like, you know, the Daniel's crazy, man. What are we doing here? I'm saying um, the behind the scenes. That's right. Um you were able to get in there, you know, get get her gutted and start taking guts out. And man, I tell you what, like there's one point I had all my weight holding on that windpipe. You know, pulling the guts down and it wasn't coming. I mean, it was, you know, we finally got her done and um, cleaned out a little bit and used, we flipped her over to. After get, Daniel took a breather. <laughs> that, I had to take a break, man. I was like, that, that was rough. And um, so we flip her over, get her cleaned out, and then uh, we get her in the Ranger. Yep, loaded in a hole. Yep. And uh, I was. Based on the size of the animal and the size of the ranger, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to do two trips for this because there's no way. Nope. But all four of us got on there and, 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 and elk. the bull elk, or the cow elk yep. and um, used the winch to get her up on there. And uh, that was that was the money right there, man. Like, cause it was immediately evident that Bruce had done this many times. <laughs> <laughs> and probably by yourself a number of times. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, with Lisa, that's yep. for sure. Yep. Yep. Lisa did a great job on the winch. Thank yep. you so much. <laughs> we got our winch up in there, and we took off back up that hill that we'd walk down. And um, It's a little steeper than you think when you're going up. Back going up, up and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Daniel, how many seats does that ranger have in it? Like, Daniel seats or like... <laughs> how many? So it has one front bitch seat, which me, Denton, and Bruce... Or me, Lisa, and Bruce can fit on semi-comfortably. Um, but that leaves Denton. There's, there's a four-seat missing, right? And a 600-pound five, <laughs> cow elk. Yep. So um, you got the biggest seat in the house, I think. So Denton Watch stood. Watch your bed. Yeah, that's right. He stood on the back one. I rode in the back on the way up. I felt like that was a nice thing to do. Held the spotting scope. And... <laughs> I remember at one point Lisa's like, hey, Daniel, you got to watch your head. And so I had to pull my head in a little bit because I got real tight. Um, but they let me ride up front on the way back. Very nice of you. Um, so Dan is standing over the cow elk, wedged in the bed. Um, got the rifle case in there too. And um, yeah, there was a number of, hey, you got a duck, man. Or hey, well, it was dark at this point. And so Den's like, I can't see those branches. You guys just got to call them for me. <laughs> so we didn't lose Denton. That was, uh, that was good. Yeah, if you guys have ever um, wakeboarded through a cypress grove, that would it'd be a very similar experience. Yeah. yeah. It's a great analogy. I'm just saying. Never thought of it that yeah. way. But we had all the backpacks and the spotting That's scope right, yeah. and everything with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that, that, I will share with you, those rangers, the Polaris rangers, mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, we got the XP 1000, but I've loaded a, a, an elk and a half and four people in, in one of those before. And the more weight you put in them, they just go. Now yeah. we've had some people, they have to put on the front if it gets too steep because yeah. <clears throat> they're back heavy. But, um, yeah, so that, that really saves us a lot. And what that does is allows us to get that animal out whole, if at all possible. And what that does keeps the meat a lot cleaner. Yep. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, once we get it back, then we can hang it up at camp and skin it out and, and it's all one piece and the meat's clean. Yep. Well, that's, that's what we did. You know, we yep. got it back up, load the ranger up on the trailer. And, um, and like you said, <clears> man, I, I've always been impressed with rangers. Um, I was out in West Virginia a couple weeks ago with my buddy Larry Case riding in a ranger and, um, they just go, you know, they yep. run really well. And uh, it was some steep terrain and we, it wasn't struggling, man. No. Um, you know, getting up and down that. So that was, that was very, very helpful. It was much better than quartering it up and taking it out on your back. Oh, yes. So, and we've done that too. So, you know. but no, it worked out well and, uh, I'm glad to be able to have that experience for you. Yeah. And so we got her, um, yep, got her up on the tractor back at camp. Yep. Once we got back to camp, uh, had a tractor with some forks on it and mm-hmm. raised it up and skinned it and quartered it and uh, put it in a game bag so yep. it would cool overnight. Yep. So that, that worked out <clears> really <throat> well. And then, um, this morning, there you go. We uh, we met up with the guys at Thomas Densing and some of the other guys. Um, we we interviewed them the other night. My high mile high note game calls, game calls right? Yep, yep. Um, and we went goose hunting. Yeah. And Lisa had never waterfowl hunting before, so Ooh. it was her first day in the pit, and uh, it was the first time Denton and I had hunted waterfowl this far west. And we uh, set out those forty to however many dozen, forty to fifty dozen decoys. <clears throat> Let's have, elaborate, mm-hmm. please. Yeah. So those. I would say half were sills, silhouette decoys. No, no, no. Not a single silhouette. No. It's either shells or full bodies. Full bodies, yeah. yeah. No, Sorry. No silhouettes on this Yep. Side. So about half were shells with heads, and the other half were full body decoys. And um, for, we went up and down the hill a number of times, and then we set some on the ice, and we made a nice little kill hole in the middle. Uh, well, and when a couple of other guys got there, they went and helped. There was an ice eater going, but they opened up that hole a little bit more. When this was a new experience for me, I didn't I talked about this? And I was telling Lisa, I was like, you know, where we hunt ducks, or you know, you see the occasional dark geese. Yeah. So, so Daniel lives at the kind of the convergence of the Central and Mississippi yep. flyways, and I live in the heart of the Mississippi flyway. Yep. And the continue what you were going to say, like yeah, the, the, the typical like I. I was hunting Grand Pass a couple weeks ago in Missouri, and we're leaving the trucks. There's four of us, and we grabbed two dozen decoys. And one of the guys is like, let's go heavy. We'll grab another six decoys. So we've got 30 decoys, right? 30 decoys. 30 individual decoys. Well, not 30 not dozen. 30 dozen. Not 30 dozen. Not 30 dozen. So it was, it was crazy to me to put out that many decoys. And I, we just it was like we emptied part of one trailer. And me and Lisa like, okay. All of one trailer and part of another trailer. Well, so then they open up another trailer <laughs> and, and we empty that entire thing. And Brandon so. said if we open up the back of the other one, there's like 13 dozen more. Right. And I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I think this is the perfect number. <laughs> right. So anybody that hunts in the central of Mississippi flyways, or I say that the eastern half of the central flyway and all of the Mississippi flyway, you know, we're real mallard heavy, um, good duck numbers. You know, five dozen is a solid. That's a big. That's a pretty yep. good size spread. You got ten dozen decoys. You, I mean, you're rocking and rolling. That's that's about as big as I've ever hunted. Yep. So these guys pull up in a trailer, 
and start unloading decoy after decoy after. I mean, well, and what thirty seven in the morning, right? Is when we started, which was nice because we were up late. <clears throat> right, that's when we started unloading decoys at seven in the morning in Arkansas or Missouri. You, you're you're shooting. Yep, <laughs> yep. If it's a real good day, you're done. Right. Yeah. So. It, yeah, so it was very weird for us. Like the sun's coming up. It was it was nine degrees. Mm-hmm. Yep, real cold morning. And they're saying, "Hey, because it's so cold, the geese are gonna, they're going to take a little longer to get up." And, okay, hey, you guys are the experts here. And so, didn't I was kind of trying to learn, and um, it, it was a ball. And they, they got a big hole in the middle. Uh, you know, they opened up that quite a bit. They've had an ice eater going in a in a pond. In a so we hunted our friend Stefan's farm, mm-hmm. and there's probably a two to three acre farm pond. Yep. Um, spring fed and they've got an ice eater sitting in there that's been going running nonstop all season that's holding a hole about maybe 30 yards by 10 15 yards not a big hole because it's nine degrees yep and we get there we start putting decoys out they start trying to break ice and we slowly but surely put out between 50 and 60 dozen decoys Around this hole in the ice. Yep, and made a nice kill hole just right in the middle, and it, and it kills about forty yards from the blind, maybe forty five. It was it was on the further side, which right. I, I like like ten yards. Right. Yeah. <laughs> really so me. Arkansas and Missouri hunts a lot of timber, a lot of close in your face shots. Yep. So this this particular setup was a stretch for what we're comfortable with. Yep. And so. Um, but they know what they're doing. They've had a lot of killer hunts. Mm-hmm. They've shot a lot of geese, a lot of ducks. And so we took their word for it, and we just put the decoys where they say to put them. And well, that's a good point too, yeah, right? So, so when when you're when you're invited out and you're hunting someone else's spread or someone else's property or something like that, you need to listen to them, right? They know that, and yeah. and they're kind enough to invite us out. We have a couple other leases that we hunt on. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll set the same. We'll go out there from sixty to a hundred dozen. We go big, folks. That's sixty to a hundred <laughs> dozen, nine decoys. Yeah. And uh, but we're you know we've got a seven man pit dug into the cornfield um, with lids that slide on it, and and you know we're we're covered up, and yep. you need to go big. I mean, we'll shoot a seven man limit by eight thirty in the morning, and that's five geese out here on, in the front yeah. range per person. So. Yeah. It, this this hunt really opened my eyes to what you can do mm-hmm. late season. So late season ducks and geese, um, big spread, um, hunted. You know the geese have been hunted. They're yeah. they're probably call shy. They're decoy shy. Yep. So you set up a spread that instills confidence in those geese or ducks. Yep. And it really makes a difference. And I mean Bruce has hunted the Central Flyway a lot mm-hmm. and had a lot of success in Colorado is very successful at hunting ducks and geese. Yep. But that's the thing. So that's why we prefer a full pit. We prefer seven people. And when you're putting out that many decoys, it's nice to have that manpower, lady power yep. to to put them out and to pull them in, right? Yep. I mean, that's... Yeah, this is a Cadillac pit for yeah all you Mississippi yeah. Flyway hunters. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. breakfast. Yeah, I was going to say, it was just, just short of satellite TV, man. Um, <laughs> we had two heaters, and, uh, you know, we turned on the heater for Lisa. Uh, of we were all freezing cold all at I mean, night. All? Maybe two. Maybe two. Somebody I mean, was freezing cold. Southeastern, <laughs> Southeastern guys 
<laughs> we're freezing our butts off. No. Lisa, Lisa was Lisa like, this is, like, is a beautiful hey, day. Nice, I even took off my jacket. Well, it was so funny because uh, the guy was coming, we were asking for lighter and getting set up. And um, Lisa's sitting to my right and, and D-Money's sitting to my left. And um, and so the, the, the propane heater is just past D-Money to the left. It's sitting right in front of me. I, that was on purpose. Because <laughs> gets cold. And so I, I look at Thomas, who's running the pit, and I said, hey, can we get a lighter? I think Lisa's a little cold. And so he goes, well, you should probably move it before you light it in front of Lisa. And I said, no, I think it's okay over here. And I go, the heat will go over to her. He said, no, man, I think you need to move it in front of her. I said, well, Denton's cold. So, we get this so um, especially about the third time we'd ask for a lighter. That's correct. That's correct. Us uh, Central Boys are getting a little cold, man. So yeah. I um, thought it was a beautiful day. I was working on my suntan. <laughs> That's right. So we get settled in, um, got the heater fired up, yep. and um, about an hour or so later, start breakfast, and it was uh, bacon and sausage. I got three eggs. I don't know how many eggs you guys got. Um, oh, man, I got... I got three. Okay, so me and Bruce got three. How many did you get? I asked for only one. Okay, and how many did you get, then? I got two, I guess, because I'm... From Arkansas. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Little guy, you know. They sized you up. Yeah. Yeah, he'll eat two. <laughs> they um, asked me how many I wanted. <laughs> sure. He just gave me three. I mean, just looked at the guy. You're a 3A kind of guy. Um, and the English muffin. You know, there you go. And um, he, uh, Thomas was very nice, made breakfast for us on a, on a griddle, inside the blind, and um, toasting English muffins on the griddle, and mm-hmm. in some bacon grease. It was... Uh, it was as good a meal I've ever had. In the yeah, this is this is the kind of hunt that you're paying six to seven hundred dollars a day to hunt yep. this kind of pit with this kind of service mm-hmm. and these kind of guides. Absolutely. For my first time in a pit, very comfortable. <laughs> and, and, and I want to mention that too. So Lisa's newer to hunting, right? Uh-huh. How long have you been hunting, Lisa? Two and a half years. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can count all the animals you killed, right? <clears throat> I've filled oh, almost every tag. That's good. Yep. That's really good. I, I've only not filled one. I can't yeah. count the number of tags I have not yeah. filled. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yep. yep. Because uh, I have a great guide that's in right. Bruce. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, Trophy Ridge Outfitters. Legit. Just, just a quick plug. Yeah. Yep. Bar none. Incredible. Yeah, Lisa and Bruce here yep. sitting for us. Um, they won't brag on themselves, but they do fanta- a fantastic job. And, um, you know, hospitality just. Taking care of me and Den quite a bit. And like I said, man, um, you know, it, it was really cool for me because we're, we were hunting cow elk, right? Um, but Bruce would glass up a mule deer or like the couple bulls we got up and he would take time to get out the spotter, talk to us about it, show, you know, show us. And, um, you know, it's like, hey, you guys want to stop and take a picture? Hey, do you want to you know, do a video? And, Okay, so we'll get back to the episode in just a second, but I want to talk um, briefly about my sponsor, Walton's Inc. Um, like I said earlier in the at the beginning of the episode, they make a lot of cool stuff, make a lot of great stuff, everything but the meat. Um, they sell seasonings, cures, um, equipment, grinders, sous vide, you know, a lot of crazy stuff, um, dehydrators, slicers, everything. And what I love about Walton's is it's all quality equipment. So I can send my friends there and they buy good stuff and I know it's going to work. I know there's not going to be a problem with it. And um, I personally know I can take this stuff on trips with me. I can cook with it. I can do everything with it and I'm not going to have issues. And that's, that's a big deal to me. You know, if I'm going to buy a grinder or buy, you know, a slicer, I want to make sure it works and all Walton stuff is great. Also, um, you know, guys know I love to cook, obviously, and they kind of take a lot of the, 
the hassle or the tough part out of um, spice mixes. They make a ton of spice mixes from you know, jerky seasonings to, like I said, cures. You guys know how much I love hams. Um, they make a lot of good options, you know, baking cures. They make spice mixes for fajitas, everything. And what I love about it is you can just pop open that package, throw it in with the meat or whatever you're cooking, and you're good to go. Make sure you check out Walton's Inc. at waltonsinc.com. They're also on Facebook, Instagram, Walton's Inc. Make sure you check them out. Okay, let's get back to it. And it's, you know, it's about the experience, right? That's I right. think that's your guy's tagline. That is the tagline. tagline. Um, and we talked about this earlier today in the pit. It's like, man, because I've hunted in some pits and waterfowl pits where the, the guy's just a jerk, you know, and I have no way to put it. And it's, you may shoot birds, it may be a good time, may be good food, but it, you're like, I can't wait to get out of here because this is uncomfortable, right? Or you've been, I'm sure you guys have been on hunts where you got this running ragged, you know, and you're like, hey man, I just want to slow down a little bit. And he's not listening. And that's not this situation at all, man. Um, you know, you guys cater to your clients and not just me and Denton, but, you know, hearing the stories from all the other clients, it's a good time that they want to come back and hunt with you guys. Yeah. You know, and that's that's definitely a testament to what you guys have built here and what you guys do. So, yeah, from all you guys in the east that are thinking about hunting elk or thinking about going out, going up and hunting in the western style, Trophy Ridge Outfitters is incredible, um, top tier. Um, you know, you name it, and they're very good. Um, Bruce's so every time we'd see a, we'd spot a bull, um, Bruce would. St- you know, look through the spotter and say, yeah, that's, uh, you know, between three, three thirty, three forty. Um, yep. very, very knowledgeable, very experienced. Yeah. I mean, he's count calling out, uh, how do you score a bull? Well, it's just, yeah, you score each antler, right? You got your mass measurement, you got your time length. Um, you know, but the biggest thing is when you're, <clears throat> when you're looking at trophy bulls, you want to look at your thirds, you know, your your sword time, your fifth point, and then your main beam, right? Distance between points. You want to look at lengths. Um, you know, you're kind of judging the whole thing. But there's a couple things you can look at quickly, um, you know, the mass on it. And and I, that's what I was showing you guys, difference between that big bull and, and that raghorn, right? Yep. I mean, that yep. raghorn. Yep. And in Colorado here, um, that's where we're out of. Um, Colorado, you, most of our units are over the counter. And, and you even heard... Uh, Tomas say that <clears throat> you know he shoots the first bull first legal bull yeah right and um, well for us in our unit we're in a trophy unit and you know if, if someone wants to shoot the first legal bull we're more than welcome to help help them yep. with that but most of our clients are looking for that higher uh, caliber mature Once in a lifetime but, uh, yep, yeah. bull and uh, just a little little nicer um, animal and, uh, and and that's what we cater to we you know we really kind of find out what they want if they want you know a uh, high country hunt that um you know they want to run a gun and go after it we'll we'll try to help that and if they want something that uh they, they want to run and, and 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 each client's different right we have some clients that they love doing marathons and it's yeah. like all right you know they're up and down they're timing how long it takes to get up the mountain and stuff like that and and it's a it's a blast we have fun with them and and there's other clients that want to slow down a little bit, and then that's you know mm-hmm. taking them moments, and, yep. and uh, so that that's important. You got to be able to listen to what people need, and uh, yeah. quite a few of our clients bring their spouse out with them, and uh, um, and and to share that experience. So yeah. that's 
Well, and, and, and I can vouch, you know, Lee, you know, my wife and I are going to come out. I hope Denton and his girlfriend are going to come out later this season and uh, hang out with you guys. And, oh, yeah. you know, I think Lisa can make any spouse comfortable. So um, Thank you. definitely that's in the back, you know, and because that's one thing I worry about, you know, bringing my wife mm-hmm. in a situation where she's not going to have a good time. And I, I have no doubt that's that's not going to happen. You know, she's going to be very happy, you know. Yeah. yeah, the little things that maybe as a hardcore hunter you're not going to think about, um, you know, the kind of foods you're going to eat. Because if as a hunter you're thinking about, okay, how am I going to get in position? How am I going to find this elk? How am I going to do this or that? But Bruce and Lisa, they think of <clears throat> things that you're, you're not going to think about. Yeah. And it's really a, a first class, you well, know, a first class operation, and that comes from doing it a lot, right, Bruce? How long yeah. have you been guiding since you were eighteen? Eighteen, so? yeah. And so, and you're probably thirty two, thirty three. Yeah, few <laughs> years yeah, older than that. No, so let's you, say mid fifties. Yeah, so you've been guiding for thirty, thirty five years, yeah. rough in there, and um, you, you take you personally taken some big trophy class animals, oh, yeah. um, a lot of them, and you know you've taken a lot of guys, and, and like Dan said, man, it's it's kind of like, um, you know, wet boots can ruin a hunt, right? It's little things like that, that these guys aren't going to let happen, man. It just, it makes the experience so much more. And, you know, the reason didn't I want to come out here is we wanted to shorten that learning curve of hunting in the West. Um, you know, we wanted to shorten those three or four years of going on public land and not seeing anything. And then you see one and, um, and we did that, you know, we did that this week. We, we learned a lot and, you know, and, uh, Dent and I were talking, we were cutting up the elk this afternoon, um, getting ready to travel. Just little things that like, okay, I would have done this, but after hunting with you guys, okay, well, I'm not doing that, you yeah. know? And, yep. um, and so I think, you know, you invest a little bit of money and, and you spend some quality time with some quality guys. You're going to learn a ton, learn a ton on mm-hmm. early on. Well, it's kind of like the pit today. So took Lisa out for her first waterfowl hunt. If you're taking your spouse out for your first waterfowl hunt, it's probably not a good idea to get layout blinds that have water in them or like, us hunters, like, I mean, I've been in some really miserable situations to hunt ducks and geese. Yeah, where your shins are bruised from breaking ice. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but that was not the situation today at all. You know, right, Lisa, were you comfortable yeah, in the pit? I was very comfortable in the pit today. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry there weren't so many birds flying, but. That's right. I got you on the elk last night. I couldn't get you the birds today. Right. So just in the in the three days that we've been here, I've seen more Canada's in the air than I've seen probably in my entire life put yeah. together. Yep. Hmm. Lessers and graders. And um, the the flocks of dark geese here were, were not as big as the giant migrator snow, snow geese flocks, but there was a lot. Right, right. Lot. Yeah, so like peak Arkansas mallard migration, you take that and you put it into a, a bird that weighs 8 or 10 pounds, and that's what you've got here with the Canadas. It's big birds and lots of them. Yeah. Yep, and so we saw three birds went hunting. We had a three-pack kind of come by. We jumped in the pit, threw the doors down, called a little bit. They circled us. Um, they gave us a look. I think they, they maybe 60 yards were over top of us. Right. They were up. cupped up coming around. Yep, and they didn't like a man, and they, they took off. So, Which is in, in just typical of normal waterfowl. You know, yep. Some of the groups come in, some of them don't. Yep. It's normal. But, uh, you know, and I was telling these guys, like, I, have a, I have a scale for like a waterfowl hunt, right? If I'm really physically uncomfortable, but the hunting is fantastic, that's okay. If I'm really, really physically comfortable and the hunting's not good, that's also okay. But when I'm really physically uncomfortable and there's not good hunting, that's not a good day. Right. So, like the one day that we picked to hunt waterfowl, 
was that it, we saw far fewer geese and ducks flying. Yep. Every other day we've seen thousands yep. flocked up yep. flying. So. And, and they started flying this afternoon, yep. um, you know, afterwards. But it was it, when that cold weather's in, they don't fly early, right? They're on that yep. roost, yeah. and, and then they get up and feed, and... Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of birds right now, and but right now it, it's it's also a little tough, you know, talking to other yeah. outfitters and and guides and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it's people are struggling right now. To, you know, the birds when they're not flying, they're not flying. And yeah. uh, the thing is, a great group of people, stories. Oh my gosh, oh, there's so many mm-hmm. stories here. Ed. You could have done several podcasts just yeah. in the stories, yeah. and and that's what life's about is good stories and well, sharing experiences. You know, and I'm I'm a big about learning. You know, and I'm always trying to. You know, one thing about hunting in different states is you learn a lot and learn new techniques. And yep. it's like me and Den, where they're tr- like, we're in the classroom here, man. Like, how do these guys hunt geese out here? You know, like, we want to learn. You know, and Den, Den was doing a really good job asking like a lot of quality questions, how their sudden decoys out, what their thoughts were. I was making jokes about, hey, you got to turn the head like two degrees to the left. That's our problem. You know, <laughs> typical, typical waterfowl stuff. So, um, but no, it was a great time. Like I said, we only shut the doors like, once. Uh, we called another time, but birds were way off. But it was it was also really cool as a flatlander to pop your head out of the blind and see the Rocky Mountains in the background. I was just going to say Being, that. Oh, yep. Yeah. Back, background, <laughs> the backdrop for our hunt was unparalleled. I only wish that the blind was faced the other way <laughs> because when you when we were looking out, it was like total flatland. Yeah. And if it had been the other way, you'd see the mountains, but... We still got some great photos and, yeah. you know, the moon was still over the mountains in the morning and the sunrise was amazing. And Yeah. All you had to do was turn around and you see 14ers just racing yeah. the skyline in the back. Uh, was... Those same 14ers every time. <laughs> well, and, and Bruce did point out, well, we're going to see them all the time because they're 14,000 feet tall. So <laughs> they are taller than all of them. That's, that's a good point. But, mm-hmm. um, it, it was a heck of a good day. Um, hanging out in that blind and we had to leave midday just because we had that giant cow elk that I shot yesterday <laughs> and um, we need, I'm going back to Kansas tomorrow and Dennis went back to Arkansas so um, we had to get in the coolers and yep. um, we'd hung it overnight it got it cooled down um, Den was very awesome and it helped me get that thing cut up and uh, I had to buy a styrofoam cooler twice um, <laughs> I could not get in the two coolers I brought no matter what I did and uh, so I went to the, the gas station and uh, I grabbed one of the quarters, and I'm just so used to packing coolers. One of the quarters. Oh, deboned. Deboned. Well, Den made the point. One of the rear quarters have been deboned. The amount of meat just right there is about what you get off a small doe yep. in the Midwest. Like all the boned out meat, just that one rear quarter. It was crazy. So I put it into the cooler, and just out of habit, I started to push it down, and the side just broke out. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm trying to like figure out, can I fix this or not? I'm like, I should go back inside and buy another cooler. Like, There's no point, you know, it's a cheap cooler. So, um, the guy was like, welcome back. Um, buy another cooler. Okay. So, uh, cooler sales in Colorado are doing well right now. Um, for the Shell Station over here in Fort Collins. Right. Um, so, typical uh, Midwest or even, even worse in the Southeast, you know, you might get, in the Southeast, you might get 30, 40 pounds of meat out of a typical dough. Yep. Midwest, you might get 50 to 60. Um, Bruce, so tell us about like if you shoot a cow, a yeah, average size elk. You got you got to figure you're going to get a you know a couple hundred pounds of meat, yep. and and that's processed meat, and uh, and you guys haven't done any of the grinding of the burger or adding any suet or anything like that yep. to it. So it's even going to be more. But and then when you put a mature bull in there, 
Yeah. Now, now you're really talking. You're talking you know. a deep freeze, uh, an entire deep freeze plus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so. So when you do come out, you know, there's several options, but you do have to kind of prepare and, and make sure you have coolers or, or a way to transport that meat back with you. So that's something we had. We were way underprepared for the Correct. the yeah. amount of meat that you can you everybody is going to obtain yeah. from so, these animals. Just for like. Understanding, I have a 40 quart orca cooler and I have a 77 quart, um, everyday, everyday. It's Life, the lifetime, lifetime sorry, lifetime, uh, brand from Walmart. And actually, that's a really good cooler. Um, like all coolers, if you treat them right, if you pre-cool them, it work really well. And I've been really impressed with that cooler and it was like $172. So for that size of a cooler, mm-hmm. you know, throw them all the stuff it is a very good deal. Um, if you're hunting whitetail, easy, any, <laughs> any big buck that you shoot, is easily going to well, fit in this cooler. For example, the 77 quart cooler I had in West Virginia and I shot two deer and they both fit in there. <laughs> quartered out wow. with back straps. Like, yeah. So we filled the 40 quart and the 77 quart and I still and had a quarter so. left. So. <laughs> and, and I remember you saying too, like there was no ground shrinkage. Yeah. And I told you when we hung the elk last night, it's <clears throat> going to be even bigger. Yeah. Yep. If you want ground growage, come to Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like we have a picture. So her, her, uh, her nose is touching the ground and maybe a little bit scrunched up, but, and then me, Denton and Bruce are all standing there and we're like standing up for like two thirds of her body. Right. So this is a track. This is a, a full size New Holland tractor with bale spears on the bucket yep. raised all the way up and the nose is still on the ground. It was big. They're big animals. Yeah. They're, they're, they're big. big animals. And you know what? They're great tasting animals. Yeah. I mean, there's no wild taste to them at all. Yeah. Yep. So, Bruce, tonight yep. we cooked our first meal from this elk. Mm-hmm. Um, we just cut a, a small section. So, the back straps. <laughs> so, okay. so for example, when I'm cutting the back strap out of her, I started, so she's hanging by her rear legs. So, I started uh, basically the base of the rear ham and started cutting down. And when I got, before I could finish getting the back strap cut out at the base of her neck, I couldn't, the back strap would have touched the ground at that point. It was that long. So I had to, I had to put it between my legs and then finish cutting it out. So just, for example, it is like four feet long. Easily. One side. What, correct. One side. <laughs> well, we took, then took the tenderloins out. Both tenderloins together would have been a nice back strap off a of whitetail. Right. So tenderloin, you know, inside the rib cage, the two muscles that come down and meet by the kidneys inside the ribs, each one of those is almost an entire back strap yep. from a whitetail. Yep. It was a lot, a lot of meat. <laughs> the, <laughs> the good meat, you you got like, you know, your primo cuts, your tenderloins and your back straps. The poundage of meat that we got off of this elk is more than you would get entire whitetail meat. Correct. Yeah. Well, and, and another cool thing too, um, because of the size of her, some of the cuts that like you just don't mess with, like some of the, the, the like the flank or the meat that covers the ribs, it's just so thin on a white tail. By the time you trim it, there's nothing there, right? So, um, but we we took some of those off. Um, I'm gonna keep some of those. I, I there's a Jesse Griffiths out of um, Texas does a dish with the the sheet, kind of the brisket or flank, and you kind of roll up, kind of do like a Swiss roll kind of thing. And I'm going to try that because it's a big enough piece of meat to mess with, right? Sounds and good. Yeah. I was, I was talking to Lisa mm-hmm. about it last night. And, like, a lot of people don't keep that stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's worth your time yeah. doing that. And, well, and that's the thing to think about, too. I mean, these hunts aren't cheap. But look at the volume of meat you're taking back. 
um, it makes it worth it. Uh, well, like I said, the, the experience, you know, when we dropped that, that elk, didn't I got up there and I looked at Den and I said, how would you like to do this by ourselves a couple miles in it getting dark? Right. And we've never done an elk before. And I am so glad that was not the case. Man. It would have been daybreak before we got the thing field dressed. Yeah. You you can't even lift that elk to people, I I think. No, you no, know? no. I mean, no. you need at least three. And like when it's a bull, I hold the antlers. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other three guys get the the body. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. it's just such a big animal. I would agree with Lisa. I mean, with the wench, me, Denton, and Bruce were able to give them back the reindeer. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, so that's kind of explaining how, how big this Joker was. Um, but the whole experience, like I said, you know, from, from talking about waterfowl hunting, taking your spouse waterfowl hunting, get her in a good situation or get them in a good situation mm-hmm. so that they have a positive experience and want to come back in. If you're going to take the time, take the vacation to come out to Colorado to hunt an elk, you know, spend a little bit extra money to get that knowledge and experience and not kill yourself you know, the first one, I mean, I was thinking, you know, I was kind of thinking back as we we're cutting up the, the elk today, I'm thinking, you know, if we had, if it had just been me and Den kind of figuring it out in the backcountry, there were a lot of like crappy decisions made, right? So and what I mean <laughs> by that, <laughs> what I mean by that is like, okay, you're looking at like deboned 200 pounds of meat, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and with the more. bones in a little more than that. Probably more. It's like we're more, not. More than most white tails on the hoof. Yeah. We're not carrying that out in one trip. You know, and so you're saying, well, what do you leave behind? How can you cool this meat quickly in the field? You know, there's a lot of snow on the ground, but it's like, it's not clean, you know. And so that meat, do you spend a lot of time and effort getting? It, it could be compromised, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, like, I'm used to a white tail, I mean, you just cut it up that night and you throw it in a cooler and everything's good. But, you know, Bruce is like, dude, there's so much must as you hear, you, you have to air it out, have yeah. to hang it. And so, um, he gave me some game bags for kind of you yep. and uh, we were able to hang on the back of the trailer and get a lot of air to it and get it cooled down. And by the time we, we packed up today, most of it was semi-frozen. So um, and it'll be eight-hour drive back to Kansas tomorrow and I'll get her. I, I said, you know, I'll, I'll get it packaged up tomorrow. And Bruce is like, it'll take you more than a day. <laughs> so, <laughs> Especially uh, after your drive home. You're yeah, going to be like, that's true. Mm, there's a lot yeah. of meat there. And that, you know, it's it's it, a it lot is. of extra work to yeah. do. Bruce, yeah. you've, you've done... Hundreds of these animals. Mm-hmm. So, if you were you, you've got an elk on the ground, l- guide us through how you take that animal from dead animal on the ground to processed meat in the cooler. So, one of the biggest things is you want to keep it clean, and you got to cool it off right away. So, some people um, will carry tarps. So, you put a tarp down on the ground, um, and that way you can put the the meat on the tarp until you get it in game bags. Other times, what we do is we'll just skin half of it, flip it over, and then you know you take the quarters off that way, take the neck meat off on that side, the back strap, and then uh, flip that hide back over, roll it over the other way, and then do the other side there. So, which is a bunch of different options. At least a two man job rolling the same. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah, at you're least. talking six hundred pound elk. You know, and then bulls are going to be more, but you're talking five six hundred pounds. It's and that's what we talked about, right? And those legs, right? You're trying to. <laughs> You know, and, and that's the thing. So as an outfitter, you know, we we do it. Our team does it a lot. And we're pretty quick at it and efficient. Yep. But 
I love when someone wants to learn, and and it, it's and you'll see in the pictures. <laughs> it's pretty comical at times, and and you just have to try to walk walk them through it. But that's the only way you're yeah. going to learn is by doing it, right? And and you could tell someone, and people can watch, but in, until you really get in there and and you're looking at all of it, and you're like, oh my gosh, look at the the size of this quarter, right? Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it, it's a big animal, so. Um, and that's what I love too, that you guys <laughs> wanted to do the hands on. Cause I've seen, you know, some people want to, some people mm-hmm. don't. I mean, I'm not there yet where, you know, Bruce does all of mine, but, um, you guys wanting to learn that and know how to do it. It's just such a great <clears throat> experience. But the biggest thing is you got to cool that meat down. So, and especially, so the bull that we shot early in September during the archery season, <clears throat> Um, we shot it at six o'clock at night. By the time we got it back out, we got it uh, packed out back to camp and we got it skinned. Then, and it was probably three in the morning. It's still 77 degrees out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That meat, if we would have left it there, just field dressed it and left it, that meat would have been bad by morning. Yep. Because the thickness of that hide on that oak. So, well, you, you saw gotta, the steam come off of it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah mm-hmm. You, you got to get them to cool down. One way or another, and it's not easy. I mean, but when you're doing this, you got to take care of that meat. And so for us, we didn't get home till what five thirty. Yeah, I think we pulled in about five thirty. Cracking the cracking the skyline. Right. So I mean, it's just one of those things that you you know you have to you have to show the respect for that animal. You have to take care of that meat. You have to get it cooled down, and and get it in them game bags. Game bags are huge, so make sure you grab the game bags when you're coming out. Yep. And that keeps all the insects and animals off of it. And also, let's air get to it. Do not put it in plastic. Um, you know, a lot of people think you can put it in a plastic that, that keeps that heat in. But you saw, you know, just overnight how much it cooled down. Yep. One, mm-hmm. you know, one, one thing that surprised me as we were um, getting our field dressed, getting our skinned off, I didn't, my hands, it was, I don't know, 25, 30 degrees, maybe a little colder. Uh, a little colder than that, probably so, in the teens. Whether you want to wear mittens or full gloves, right? There was so much heat on that elk that my hands were plenty warm. Like I wasn't wearing gloves or anything. And was Denton, were your hands cold? Yeah. Actually, I actually <laughs> had to stop dressing at one point because you're cutting with a sharp knife and you can't feel your fingers is a bad combination. I couldn't feel your fingers either, Denton. So <laughs> He's no like, problem. my hands are cold. He's warming them on the truck. <laughs> yeah. But in my, I, my hands didn't cold doing it. Um, like I said, they stayed warm for me. So, um, but that was that was surprising to me how warm, like I said, how much heat was was in that in those muscles. So um, that's the goal, right? Is to get rid of the heat. Yeah, mm-hmm. the biggest yeah. thing you got to get that heat out of there. So. That's what I showed you. Even you know when it was hung, and you guys started skinning it, all that heat that's yeah. escaping. But you can look at that. You can look ahead of time. Look on YouTube channels and stuff like that of of how to field dress and and how to quarter an animal. You want to know that ahead of time because. If, if you are in the back country or something like that and you're trying to get it out or even, you know, try to set up a pack or someone that can come in with mm-hmm. horses. Yep. You, you know what I mean? Cause that's when you're, you know, you're putting a hundred and 150 pounds of meat on your back on a hind quarter and you're trying to pack it out. I mean, that's when you're dressed in something the size of a horse. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, you know what I mean? It, it, and that's intimidating itself when you're looking mm-hmm. at it because it's a lot of psychological, you know what I mean? And, uh, but you got to take care of it. The biggest thing, though, is, is keep it clean um, and, and keep it dry. Mm-hmm. So if it's raining or snowing, make sure you have a tarp to put over top to keep that meat dry. You don't want it wet. And uh, 
Yeah, and you just pack it out. I think you even asked me there's something about uh, how to eat an elephant or something like that, one piece at a one time. Piece right? at a time. But that's, yeah, I mean, that's it, you know, and that's that's a lot of meat, a lot of work, but you just one piece at a time and you keep going after it. And uh, before you know it, you're halfway done and then three quarters. And yep. What? So if you're looking at honey and elk in Colorado or anywhere in the in the West and you're thinking about your budget, okay, I've got this much money to spend. Um, I'm trying to save money. Um, you're trying to um, gain experience and shoot an elk without spending a fortune. I can't emphasize enough how much easier it will be to have somebody with you that knows what they're doing. Yep. That, that is absolutely true. Um, and I would hundred percent agree with Den. Like I said, I've, I've just a number of deer. Den's just a ton of deer. And to be honest, like I, that was the last thing on my mind. I'm like, that'll be fine. Not a big deal. I've done it before. Just bigger. And that, that was a overwhelmingly big factor. Right. So you guys um, check out Hunt Fish Eats Instagram page. You'll see the picture. Daniel's starting to, to take apart the hindquarters uh, to get the rest of the guts out. And I just look over at Bruce and be like, what have we got ourselves into? And you can see the look on Bruce's face like, welcome to my world. <laughs> so glad I captured that moment. Yeah. Yeah, Lisa was spot on with the photography. <laughs> I was looking through the photos afterwards and I caught that one and just, I started dying laughing, man. It was just because it was a perfect picture of the moment. Um, but, uh, but like I said, doing this with a guide, especially a very experienced guide, like, like Bruce and Lisa, so critical. I mean, it just saved us a ton of heartache and ton of rough times. And I mean, as an out-of-state, you're going to pay a couple hundred bucks. I mean, $500 for a tag, right? And then you're probably going to pay, you know, to stay somewhere. Or if you have someone drop you off for a camp, I mean, there's only some couple thousand dollars involved. And um, if you can pay that to an outfit that's going to be with you that's very experienced, that's going to help the rest of your hunts for your the rest of your life be a lot more high quality. Um, yep. So look at that. Look at that hard. You know, it'd be better to maybe wait a year to save that extra money, you know, to go with an outfitter. And, you know, the, I've said it before, I've interviewed a couple of guides. What you're paying for with that money is knowledge. Okay. We can all learn it. I think it's very capable to learn these mm -hmm. things, be comfortable with them. It's just Bruce has been doing this for 30 years or more. And you're paying for those 30 years. You know, and when you think about that, it's, it's a pretty good investment. And this was all for a cow elk. Yeah. So if you're looking for a bull elk, much less a quality trophy bull elk, um, I mean, unit 20 is an, one of the top units in Colorado. There's no over-the-counter tags. Um, so, sorry. That's okay. I'll let slide this time. <laughs> so the quality of bulls in this are noticeably better than your over-the-counter yeah. units. And Bruce's knowledge and the quality of elk there's there's not a better combination. Yeah. When you look at the the success rate and like the shot opportunity. So, yeah. So Bruce, tell us um, for your hunts with your clients, how often can someone expect to to have an opportunity to shoot a quality bull elk? Well, where where we're at so far is uh, we're blessed. We're a hundred percent shot opportunity um, at a at a quality animal, and uh, that's elk and mule deer. And, and archery and, and archery, rifle. Um, yeah, muzzleloader rifle, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but it's still hunting. This isn't high fence and there's no guarantees. So please hear that. But it's, uh, mm -hmm. we will do everything in our power to, to show you, 
a, a great time and, and put you on some good animals. Yep. Um, but it, it's, like I say, we're not high fence. Right. There's a lot of animals. We have private property that we lease and uh, they're in the right places. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. and you didn't see a cow the first day, but no. second day it was it's, like, it's still hunting, right? I mean, it, it it's, still there they are. Well, those things we were driving around, there's tracks everywhere. You know, you're reaching out to a bunch of your contacts, you're talking to them, and it was mm-hmm. kind of the same. We heard the same thing. They're here somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw a sign of that. It's just they aren't right here or which valley they're sitting in. For uh, for cows, for bulls. Yeah. Yeah. Or mule deer. Yeah. We would have I can't count the number of like shooter bu- shooter bulls or shooter bucks that yeah. we saw in the first two days. Yep. And all within rifle distance. And well, and that's the thing to point out with you, Bruce. Um 100% shot opportunity with bows, muzzle loaders, and rifles. Um, and, and shot opportunity, like explain that for a little bit. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so shot opportunity is, you know, animal within range, you know, totally capable with whatever method it takes. So bow, you know, within 30, 40 yards. Rifle, you know, within a couple hundred yards. Smoke pole, same thing, a couple hundred yards. Um, on a quality animal. And so you, you say you... Your range to harvest about 280 inch to 350, right? Bulls that you're. Well, we'll what we're, our average elk is probably 280 to 320. Okay. Um, yeah, we have taken bulls bigger. Um, okay. All the way up, uh, into the 360s and, and 350s. So they're there. And, and that's the biggest thing. You have to hunt where they are. Yep. Right. And that's, that's, we got trail. We run about 30 to 40, uh, stealth cam, trail cameras. And, uh, so we're out, um, our, our season's year-round. Yep. Um, you yep. Know, we do turkey hunts in the spring. Um, we, we shed hunt, and uh, it, it's it's year-round for us, but it's our passion, so it's fun. And then we love meeting people, um, and then that's it. But, yeah, so probably our, we say our average is uh, 280 to 320, but they're up to all the way. Um, unit 20, like name some good bulls that have been killed in Unit 20. So the biggest I know of is over 400 inches. Um, this year, I know of a 383. Last year, 381. So, I mean, there, there's there's good quality bulls. That's the equivalent of a 200-plus whitetail. Yeah. So there, there's like some good Once bulls. in a lifetime, this unit is, is has the bulls. Well, the thing, thing with this unit, though, is a lot of it's private property. So, you know, for some people that think, well, I would just look at it and, and you know, try to get over the uh, public land tag. It's the same thing. You got to know where they're at. You got to know the migrations. You got to know where they're at and where their honey holes are and where yeah. they stay. Just like the the elk, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you know, we, we check the areas. We know where they are. And, and sure enough, that's we walk up and, and there they are. Yep. So. Yeah, and that's, and that's something, too. It's it's not just the basic things like the field dressing the animal or how to get the animal out. I mean, it's, um, you, you guys do like, you call them self-guided hunts. I think where you semi-guided, yep. You drop them off from the ranch, mm-hmm. help them, you'll know, get it out yep. things like that. But like you and I talked about today, it's, you can do that, but they aren't on the ground every day. Like you guys are, No. you know, you can't say, well, you know, usually they're going to come through this Valley, you know, and we were talking to that guy, Greg, that lives there. And he said, you know, when they break through, they usually come right through this pass, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, Having that knowledge, having that experience, that uh, we would have can, the foggiest idea. Yep, yep. Well, and like I said, just some of the strategies that didn't I or that I had thought of before I came out here, 
totally wrong. You know, we would have wasted time doing those things. So I'm glad we went with Bruce's ideas because they're a lot better than mine. Um, you know, and that's why you come out here. That's why you spend the money with these guys. And, and it's, um, and not talk like poorly of other outfitters, but you know, some outfitters that are a little bit cheaper, you know, they're going to come out and stick in a blind or they're going to come, um, they're going to stick a young guy with you that doesn't really know what he's doing. And, um, you're not going to have a quality experience or you're going to become a jib. That's not going to happen with trophy job fitters. Um, the, the other guides tend to leave it up to chance. You know, you may other have outfitters, right? Yep. You may have, um, herds in the area or bulls that have been seen. Yep. But that's not how the, you know, Bruce and Lisa and your guides are going to mm-hmm. work for you to have a good experience. That's where the hundred percent shot opportunity comes from. So, you know, those, the ones that aren't harvested, it's guys passing up and saying, I don't oh, want to yeah. shoot, I want to shoot a bigger one. I want to shoot a bigger one. And, and that's cool. You know, like you said, oh, yeah, no, no, that, that's the thing. When you show them the, you know, a 360 or, or whatever bull and a 340 walks out, they, they want to wait because they know they're here. Yep. And, uh, you know, that, that's fine. They're, you know, that's their, you know, we'll never tell someone to shoot that bull. I mean, yep. no matter how big trophies in, and I've get some clients that come out and they're like, well, should I shoot that one? And it's up to, it's up to the person, right? The trophies in the eye of the beholder. Um, there's a few that I'll, I'll say, well, you know, this is, this is what we're looking at. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, that's a mature bull for this area. And that's a, you know, whether it's 350 or bigger, but, uh, 340 and 330, I mean, they're, they're all big. And most people, they get stuck on the numbers. They're like, I want a 350 bull or nothing else. And I'll show them a picture. And I'm like, what do you think about this one? Oh, I shoot that one all day long. And it's a 320 bull. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked, I think when you first got here, we showed you a couple bulls here in the house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, between 340 and 350 on a six point bull, you're talking less than one inch on each point or, you know, cause you got two sides or, or in mass measurements. I mean, you're talking five inches on each antler. Mm-hmm. Well, and guys so. that aren't used to looking at these bulls all day long. I can't tell the difference. I mean, if that's I can, your one opportunity. Yeah. You want someone behind the glass that knows what they're looking at. And that's the thing too is like if, if your goal is like a 350 inch deer or a 350 inch elk. Sorry, I said deer. I meant elk in both those. I would take a 350 inch deer. All day. <laughs> Any day. All day long. Any day. Thank uh, you. Yeah. No, a 350 inch bull. If that is your goal and you don't hunt elk every day. You're not going to be able to make that decision, but not that's a 350. You're going to see a 330 walk out and start drooling. Yep. yep. And shoot it. And so that's where having a guy like, like Bruce with your, one of his guides, like experienced guy, Lisa here pays <laughs> off. That's where that, and thing is, if you're chasing those animals, you want the once in a lifetime elk, that's how to do it. You know? Yeah. So, well, I got a long drive in the morning. denton has got an early flight. Where are you going, Bruce? So I'm heading to Iowa. I've got a muzzleloader tag that uh, has been burning a hole in my pocket. Dude, so. this guy, he draws a muzzleloader tag for Iowa. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys know, but Iowa's got the big deer there. Yeah. Some of and, the biggest. And he lets Denton and I come in and delay him three days so that you know, he can show us a good time and cut into his deer hunt. I shoot mean, a cow elk. Yeah, yeah, not I, even a bull, man. I guarantee you, if I was the outfitter. It's about the experience. That's exactly right. that's Trophy Ridge Outfitters. They are. Yeah. That, that's clearly, I mean, like, we sat and we wrote out different ideas, and that's what we came down to is it's about the experience because that's what we wanted it to be for everybody. Yep. It's a good experience. 
I'd still go to Iowa and shoot a 200. <laughs> well, I'm hoping. I've got, uh, I'll be on the road in about three hours. So, yeah. And with Bruce's experience, Bruce, you were actually born in Illinois and yep. you grew up there. So you're yep. familiar with giant whitetails. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we have some good ones. So, yeah, I had an opportunity here. So I'm excited about it. And, uh, we'll see what happens. But they just got about 12 inches of snow the other day. So, uh, See what? Yeah, we'll see what. Well, Bruce, I'll let you get an, a nap or two. I have a couple hours in. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa, thank you so much for, for having me and Denton here and let us invade your home. It was great. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you very much, y'all. So we'll be uh, back. We love having you. I know. Uh, we you can't wait to have you back. Blast. And uh, thanks for sharing some of your steak tonight, your elk. Thanks for cooking it for me. Of course. You know what? I mean, that, that's truly it. it. It's how you prepare it. it it's how, you know, you... You get it off the animal, you cool that meat down, you keep it clean. It makes a world of difference, you know, with with Walton seasonings and and stuff you put on it. I mean, it really, truly makes a difference of of, of the experience when you eat it. Yep. See, and that's what I was going to say, too, is even the experience of that is like teaching you guys how to cook it. Yeah. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, uh, you know, we're coming that up up today. And I'm... Me and Dent a little tired. And so we had, we had talked about doing the backstrap tonight. And Bruce came out and said, what do you want to do for dinner? And I'm like, look, I'm done. Like, you know, I'm like, we're ordering pizza. Like, you know, let's kick our feet up. And uh, Dent's like, I'll cook, man. You know, and, and Bruce Bruce offered to cook. And uh, so that was super nice. You know, you helped, you would know, uh, cut the chicken backstrap out and you helped us trim it up. And, mm-hmm. you know, and is about, about an eighth of one backstrap. Yeah. <laughs> Come four of comfortably us, fit four. Yeah. So it was incredible. Your freezer is full. My freezer is full. Yep. Your so. new freezer that you haven't bought yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had two and a half freezers at home. And, yeah, I was going to say, we were driving around saying, I was asking, how much freezer space you got me? Because I'm going to have to go, we're gonna, I'm gonna go down and hunt ducks with him later this month. And so I'm going to take him some more meat down. But because um, he was smart and fly, flew out here. So. Um, but no, it was a great time. Thank you so much, guys, again. Uh, thanks make for coming. Sure, yeah, make sure you go check out Trophy Ridge Outfitters LLC.com. That's the yep, website, that's right? It, yep. And I'll put that in the show notes. Um, you will have a great experience and a good time. So oh, I appreciate it. Love having you. And uh, yeah, look forward to the future next year. <laughs> that's no joke. Thank you guys very much. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as their last night in Colorado. Again, Bruce and Lisa were very, very gracious, and we just had a great time with them. Um, you know, Denton was there to help me out, and it, it was just a whole experience. It was very, um, it was very surreal going to take that cow the way I did, and um, I'm so glad they're there to help me capture it. And I got to see the whole experience of the herd and multiple bulls, you know, fighting each other, hearing bugles rip out as I'm walking down the hill. Man, it was so cool. And you know, Bruce talks about. The, the tackling for their company is all about the experience, and that's true, man. You can go to a lot of different places and shoot animals, but very few are are guided by people this hospitable and just an awesome experience. So please go check out Trophy Ridge Outfitters LLC. You'll have a great time, I guarantee it. Also, if you enjoy this episode, please share it with your friends and family. That just helps helps us reach more people and get it. You get to listen to more cool stuff. Review us on iTunes. If you listen to us on iTunes, please go review the podcast and give us a high rating. That'd be nice. That just helps us come up with more searches and reach more people. Also, like and follow us on Facebook, Hunt, Fish, Eat Podcast on Facebook. 
On Instagram, we're Hunt Fish Eat Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, Stitcher, Spotify, or iTunes, so you never miss an episode. If you want to join me on hunts and go do cool stuff, or if you want me to cook you dinner, or cook you and eight of your friends dinner, go to patreon.com slash huntfisheat. I got a ton of elk right now, so hope you like that. But if you want to do cool stuff with me and support the show, go to patreon.com slash huntfisheat. Some really cool opportunities there. Go visit waltonsinc.com. Like I said at the beginning, they're going to help me, you know, process this game that I just dropped, you know, and I know a lot of hunters are out there listening to this show. If you need some help processing it, they have um, on their website, they have something called Meatgistics, and it's kind of like a knowledge vault is what I call it. It has all sorts of information about how to make sausage, how to make hams, how to process your animals. So make sure you check out waltonsinc.com, especially the Meatgistics portion. Also, Clay Shooting Apparel makes some awesome, fun hats. Jim and the crew are there doing a great job. Also, check out Trophy Ridge Outfitters, LLC. I probably said it 17 times now, but Bruce and Lisa, it's all about the experience. I saw multiple 350-inch class bulls. I mean, trophy once-in-a-lifetime elk. I saw multiple multiples of them over two days. I mean, you can't find a better place to hunt, I tell you. And the people are awesome. Great experience. You owe it to yourself. If you're coming out west, go to TrophyRidgeOutfittersLLC.com. Book up with Bruce. We will talk to you later. I really hope you enjoyed this episode.